The Book Nook on WYSO is presented by the Greene County Public Library with additional support from Clark County Public Library, Dayton Metro Library, Washington Centerville Public Library, and Wright Memorial Public Library. Hello, welcome to the Book Nook on WYSO. I'm Vic McCunis. My pleasure to welcome back to the program today, Jess Montgomery. And she joins us in studio. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, it's a very exciting day for you. Uh, It's a really good reason to be excited. Tell us why. It is a great reason to be excited. This is the publication day of The Echoes, the fourth in my Kinship Historical Mystery Series. So yay! (laughs) And here you are spending it with us out here in Yellow Springs. Of course. Of course, I understand you also have some other things going on uh, as we are recording this uh, this will happen before you hear this interview, but uh, I see you have some big deal going on on Facebook uh, later today. Are you going to leave here and get in your car and floor it back to your house? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm going to be uh, talking with the wonderful Hank Philippi Ryan on a mighty blaze. So that's exciting. And that's why I look at Twitter, because I saw that she had tweeted about that. Oh, okay. And okay. she seemed to be excited about it. Yes, she's a fan, and I'm a fan of her, her and her work as well. But we're not here to talk about her, are we? Well, okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So we have a lot of listeners out there who are not familiar with this series. Tell us what the series is about. Great. I would be glad to. So the series, uh, the Kinship Historical Mystery Series, was inspired by Ohio's true first female sheriff, a woman named, named Maud Collins in 1925, became sheriff of Vinton County when her husband Fletcher was killed in the line of duty. And there was absolutely no mystery about how he died. He was honestly just trying to serve a traffic uh, warrant. And the person he was serving it to didn't want to be taken in, so he killed Fletcher. And Maud had worked as the jail matron. Um, she and her husband and their four kids lived in the sheriff's house there in Vinton County. And she was packing up the kids uh, after his, his death to go back home to West Virginia when one of the county commissioners showed up and said, where are you going, Maude? We want you to be sheriff. And so she became sheriff. Um, and then in 1926, she decided to run in her own right. So she must have liked being a, a sheriff and won in a landslide, which I still just find remarkable <laughs> and had a life uh, a career in, in crime fighting uh, rolling forward. Uh, there've only been five female sheriffs in the state of Ohio, Maude in 1925, the next female sheriff in 76, uh, one elected in 2000, and two in 2020. I'm sorry, I'm getting the, the years wrong. Yeah. So you're saying it's becoming a trend. It's becoming a trend. I can't keep track. Okay. Um, so just five female sheriffs in um, you know in our history for 88 counties. Mm-hmm. There have, of course, been you know deputy sheriffs, et cetera, but... Um, so anyway, I was inspired by this this original sheriff in our state and thought about how interesting she was and what if what if I had a character like her who becomes sheriff but doesn't know um, who killed her husband and why. And the series has kind of grown from there. It's called the Kinship Series, not just because I made up a t- county seat called Kinship, but because um, it's about the idea of kinship, the tension between individual desire and freedom and creativity and rights versus community needs um, and structures, but not just 
the two verse one versus the other, but how do the two support one another? So it kind of examines that relationship between individuality and community. So your sheriff is based on a real person, mm-hmm. and you've uh, really been uh, putting down the uh, chronology here because these four books are set over a very short time period, correct? They are. They uh, are spaced one year apart. So the Echoes is set in 28. All right. So we've got the Echoes, and in this one, you're building more of the backstory for us, particularly the mm-hmm. World War One backstory. Yes. Tell us about this family and, and the various relatives and, and how you like to have alternate points of view in each mm-hmm. new book. Well, that's that's a great question. One way I bring the idea of kinship and community to life is uh, the, all the novels are co-narrated, and in each novel, Sheriff Lily Ross is one of the narrators, but then she has a co-narrator who's another, so far, <laughs> female from the community. Um, and by the time I got to The Echoes, I thought, you know, her mother, who's just called Mama throughout the, the books, is there in the background, Um supporting her daughter, but also a little wary of why must you do this, (laughs) this difficult job that got your husband killed. Um, And, you know, they have a great relationship. They actually, by the time they get to this, we get to this book, they share a house, a farmhouse, and their kids um, live with them, obviously. Lily has two children, and Mama has a son who's a change-of-life baby, so a son who's the same age as one of Lily's children. But Mama also had um, another son who's Lily's slightly older brother, and he was killed in um, the Great War, or as we would call it, World War I. And that's really kind of all I had uh, in the books up until the echoes about Lily's brother, Roger. And so I got to thinking about, wait a minute, let's flesh that out. What was he really like? How did he live before he went to the Great War? How did he die in the Great War? And how has his life and his loss kind of echoed forward, if you will, into uh, his family's life and the lives of people that loved him and knew him? And so this novel is co-narrated by Lily and her mother, Beulah, who goes by Beulah, so she gets to be fleshed out as a woman who, yes, loves being a mother, but is so much more than that. Jess Montgomery joins me in studio. Her new one is The Echoes, and I love Beulah. Oh, good. And and Roger, (laughs) the dead brother, the one who never came back from the war, who saved Lily's life when Mm -hmm. she was 16. Mm -hmm. You flash back to this in, in other books, and you also, in earlier books, you show us that Roger and the man that Lily ends up marrying, who you then conveniently kill off at the beginning <laughs> of the first book, that the original sheriff, uh-huh. were buddies. Yes. And and war buddies. They, yes. They were at the war together. Yes. That's true. Um, yes. Lily's uh, husband at the beginning of the whole series is a man named Daniel, who does survive the war physically. He comes back with... Um, you know, shrapnel still in his in his body that causes problems. I actually based that on my father, who is, was a World War II vet. Um, he was a BAR man. So for any World War II buffs out there who know <laughs> their military history, you know what a tough guy my dad was. The life expectancy was like you know minutes uh, on the front lines, and he made it. He made it through the whole war. 
Um, but he carried shrapnel in his body his whole life. So um, so I decided I would kind of use that a little bit for, for Daniel, who also carries, um, you know, carried uh, mental trauma. And it wouldn't have been called PTSD in the 1920s. It would have been called shell shock. But it wasn't something that was really explored or talked about. Um, so I wanted to pull in the idea of PTSD, again, not referenced that way in the book because I you know, try to stay true to the era I'm writing in. But I pull that in through another character who also served with Roger and, um, and Daniel and a couple other characters in the book. So, Yeah, that's when, when you're trying to be authentic, that's always kind of a touchy thing, isn't it? Yes. I remember reading the story, and at one point you used the term dementia. Mm-hmm. And I thought for a second, no, do they have dementia? Do they call it dementia back then? I don't know. The, but, I researched that. Yes, it occurred they did. to me. <laughs> it occurred to me right then. I thought, oh, is that a new term? I, yeah. Because I know Alzheimer's is kind of a new yes. term yeah, comparatively. It does get a little tricky if there's a term that we still use that feels still modern, uh-huh. but it really was around back in the day. So, sure. Well, these books, I think, can be read as standalones, but... They're a lot more fun to read in order like I have read them because okay. then we know the whole story. Mm-hmm. And in case we have people out there who are going to just want to pick up this new one immediately and read it without reading the first ones, do you want to give them a little background as far as what happens without giving anything away in the sure. earlier books? In the earlier books? Uh-huh. Uh, so The Widows introduces Lily, um, and she's, like I've mentioned, investigating who killed her husband and why in in the line of duty. And she becomes friends eventually with the co-narrator of that book, a woman named Marvina, who was a childhood friend of of Daniel's. So that introduces kind of the whole world, the theme of women's rights, workers' rights. These books are all set in the coal mining territory of southeastern Ohio. So it pulls in all of that. Um, The next book is The Hollows and by then, you know, it's a year later. Like I said, these are spaced a year apart. In the hollows, it's 1926, and Lily's kind of uh, suffering some PTSD herself. She's still mourning her husband, but she also recognizes she loves being sheriff. She's running for sheriff in her own right, um, and she starts investigating the death of an elderly woman, which ends up exposing that there's a WKKK um, group in her county, not a KKK group, but a women's KKK group, which was shocking to me to find out about. So, of course, I had to write about it. Um, And then we move forward one more book in 1927. Uh, It's called The Stills, and it's set in the winter, and it's inspired by um, bootlegging and um, moonshining, and gangsters basically come to Lily's County and want to take over a portion of it, and so she finally has to kind of face head-on the, the laws against um, distilling liquor, you know, she has to take on prohibition in, in a way that she hasn't before. Up until that book, she's been kind of able to um, just sort of see it in the background, but, it, it, you know, she has to finally confront it. And some old nemesis that we first meet in The Widows. So then in The Echoes, it seems like things are fairly peaceful. There's this this um, Veterans Memorial Park that's being built for veterans of the Great War and their families that's going to be opening on July 4th, 1928. It's actually inspired by the Argonne Forest Park that was part of um, Possum Creek, that where Possum Creek Park, I should say, uh, now exists in south of Dayton, Ohio. Um, so 
this veteran named Chalmer has created this park uh, for veterans and particularly in honor of Roger, Lily's brother. Um, but things, of course, go awry because this is, you know, a novel and a body is found and a baby is left on a doorstep and a child is kidnapped and <laughs> yeah, all kinds of great things. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, in, in, you know, in investigating all of this, Lily starts learning more about her brother and his life. Jess, you just mentioned uh, a number of things that happen in the story. When I think uh, back to your books, the first thing I usually think of is, okay, who got murdered? And the first Mm -hmm. book, it's the husband, the sheriff. Mm -hmm. And the second book, was it the woman that gets by the train? Yes. Okay. Okay. So that's what I think about. And I remember the immortal words of Ed McBain when I interviewed him. And I said, well, what's the formula? He says, well, he says, uh, you know, first couple pages, you got to have a corpse. (laughs) And so I was reading your book, and I found it very clever and amusing that we get a corpse right away, but we don't because it's someone who has the power of seeing into the future who Mm -hmm. is seeing this dead person. And I thought that was pretty cool how you did that. Well, thank you. Yes, um, the idea of the sight uh, which is um, a concept I grew up hearing about. My family were all from Appalachia, so I have absorbed a lot of that culture, um, and that's where my books are set, and that's the culture I'm writing in. So the notion is, you know, somebody can have the sight, and they can kind of foresee or sense what's going to happen. And so this elderly lady, uh, Mama, <laughs> keeps going to Lily to say, I see a young woman floating. You know, she's dead. She's floating in the pond. Um at, you know, the the park that my grandson, Chalmer, is building. She doesn't quite put it that way. Um, she says it a little, little less uh, directly than that. But each time, of course, she's come, Lily is obligated. Somebody's told me there's a young woman floating face down in the pond. I have to go look. And, of course, you know, she rose out and the body's not there. Um, but you know, eventually the body is there. <laughs> so it's foreshadowing in a way, you know, yes, we're going to get to this this murder um, and Lily's going to truly have to investigate. We know. <laughs> we know that they're going to eventually see this body in the yes. pond because how else could it be? That's right. Right? Well, and as Mama says, tragedies are coming. <laughs> and Lily thinks to herself, tragedy is always a coming. And says to her, and is able to say to her, yes, and when it does, I will be here, if not to stop it, then to at least try to sort things out. And, of course, we've got the romance elements here. Uh, we've got Lily mm-hmm. with uh, this fellow that, that she is very interested in, who is another one of these World War One vets mm-hmm. who, who knew her, her yes. dead husband, who mm-hmm. knew her dead brother. Mm-hmm. And then um, Beulah has a love interest in this one, sort of. Uh, yes. There's there's a new new guy in town, and they're very formal. They, they don't call oh, each yes. other by their first names, but there's something smoldering there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Beulah, ha- you know, she's, she's all of, like, in her, she's, like, 48. <laughs> so she's a young woman by our standards. But, you know, for the times, you know, she's an older woman. She's, you know, she's got grandkids. She still... You know, she has kids, but she also has grandkids. And she's always been this very proper lady who follows the rules of society. And she very much, you know, loved her husband uh, who ran a grocery store. But she's human. And this new doctor comes to town. 
And yes, there's some romance kind of uh, simmering there. And meanwhile, Lily um, has been sort of interested in Benjamin, who had been friends with her brother and her her first husband through the war. Um, and so they both, both women, you know, I tried to juxtapose, like, how do they come to terms with that? How do they come to terms with, they're always going to love the men that they were originally married to, but they're young women and they want to still be alive and have life. So it was fun to play those two off of each other. And you also have fun with this uh, change of life, baby, because <laughs> Caleb Jr., yes. he's actually younger than some of his mother's grandchildren. Yes. Right? And, and so mm-hmm. he likes to be called uncle, mm-hmm. even though he's, what, seven years old? <laughs> he's seven years old, yeah. yeah. And, uh, That's kind of cute. It is cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a few months younger than uh, Micah, who is um, he's Lily's youngest son. Well, this is fun also because Beulah, who in past books hasn't really been that approving of Lily's work right. and what Lily does, she kind of uh, plays an investigative role in this mm-hmm. story. She she uh, puts on the, the deputy hat in a way and, and mm-hmm. does some of the footwork for uh, her daughter. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that, and I wanted her to— to kind of have to do that. And I constructed the plot so that it was necessary for her to do that. And she also had connections in the hills that, that would be easier for her to draw on than for Lily to sort of, you know, walk in on. Um, so it made sense for Beulah to do some investigating and to slowly kind of see, I think there's a line about how she she realizes how hard her daughter's job is. And she uh, respects that her you know, daughter can do this job that she sees has seen up until now as kind of men's work and is really dangerous. And, you know, she kind of shifts her viewpoint and is able to see, you know, why it's important to Lily. And Lily becomes more sympathetic toward her her mother and her viewpoint. And I'm the mother of two adult daughters who uh, have done or are doing jobs that I find <laughs> terrifying um, to some degree, or I've played in sports that I would find terrifying. Um, and so I've kind of been both Lily and Beulah. You know, mm. I've been Beulah in, in the sense of looking at my daughters and going, I'm really proud of you, and also, yipes. Um, and so it was interesting to kind of put myself in into each of those characters. Lily and her circle, uh, Marvena and uh, Hildy, they're all fairly wholesome. They they have these wholesome approaches to family, and and sure they they get into disputes with each other or with relatives, but mostly they're fairly wholesome and also doing okay. But this is kind of a hard scrabble area, mm-hmm. and you have some people like Chalmer and his wife Sophia mm-hmm. who have a very dysfunctional marriage, mm-hmm. and you have. This uh, poor woman, what's her name, Sula, mm-hmm. who who is the wet nurse, and and right. that family is just on the edge of starvation. And, and then you have this brother and sister with, with their their mother living yeah. out with, with this poor dog, and, and I'm, it's just <laughs> oh man, it's just so heartbreaking to to observe the poverty of everything with these people that just yeah i mean uh, it's it's interesting to hear hear you say that and it's been interesting to explore a range of uh economic security 
within an area that I think most people would look at and assume everybody's not doing well. Mm. But, you know, there is a, a ver- there are variations of, you know, like you say, Sula and her family on the you know, the edge of starvation at all times, and then up to Sophia and her dysfunctional (laughs) marriage with Chalmer. And they're, you know, kind of the wealthy people. Um, And again, I drew from, you know, my family of origin who were all from eastern Kentucky, and they were tobacco farmers. But even within, even within the world of tobacco farming in eastern Kentucky back, you know, in the day, there were degrees of how well, you know, people were doing or not. Um, yeah, on my mother's side, uh, her family grew up incredibly poor, um, barely getting by, and then eventually, you know, coming north to work in factories and whatnot. And, you know, my, my mother told me the story once that her mother said that my mother should marry my father because, well, he had a car. Uh-huh. So he was wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Did she tell you about going out and plucking the tobacco worms off the oh, tomatoes. Oh yes, okay. yes, and I you know what? My uh parents had a garden uh in the suburb where I grew up. Um we were one of the unusual families that it wasn't just a couple tomato plants. It was like we're going to can the produce from this garden. Mm. So that was my job was to go out and snag those things off. <laughs> 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 the book is The Echoes. Jess Montgomery joins us. In the book nook today is the official publication date of the book, and I try very hard not to give away the good stuff in these kinds of books because it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. Are we allowed to talk about any little French girls, or is that just oh, yes. verboten? Let's oh. talk about the French girl. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay, um, yes, because she's introduced right at the beginning. Her name is Esme, and I think it's even in um, some of the blurbs about the book, and She's a daughter, the daughter that Roger had uh, with a French woman while he was overseas. Um, he wasn't really aware of this because he he died in the in the Great War. Um, but she, there are reasons that I won't go into because that would be giving away too much. Needs to come to the U.S. She needs to immigrate to the U.S. to be with her father's family, um, and things go awry, and she has to you know pull up on her own wits, and she's very young, but. Um, yeah, I had a lot of I had a lot of fun um, with her character and um, trying to revisit some of my French from college <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, Esme has put Beulah and Lily into a very difficult situation, mm-hmm. a very difficult position. Yes, uh, Beulah feels a lot of guilt, and and she's very upset about the situation, and Lily is busy mm-hmm. and she has no clue what's really going on right. but when it finally all breaks and then and the word comes to her she's just found this woman floating in the pond mm-hmm. and she drops everything and drives a columbus with hildy looking for this niece stri- <laughs> string of clues to yeah. try to figure out what's going on yeah. And I was impressed by that because I thought, well, don't you have a murder you should be investigating back in kinship, Sheriff? Yes, but but family is the number one priority. I know. It's kinship. It's kinship. Right? And, mm-hmm. I mean, and that's how I was raised. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. it didn't hold true as much as I would have liked, but the, the idea of family comes first. 
um, is sort of in my bones and is how I've lived my life. And so it very much had to be how Lily would react. Gotcha. And the, we also have the, the situation with Hildy. Oh, yes. Goodness, there's a lot in this book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've, you've got all these strands, these twisted strands here. <laughs> Hildy and Roger were an item before Roger went away to the war. Right. They Hildy, were engaged. Hildy has no clue that, that Roger fell in love in France. Right. Or that Roger left some evidence of his love affair. Yes, yes. She, Hildy doesn't, they don't know how Hildy's going to take this. That's right. Um, so it was an interesting way to explore Hildy's uh, character and, um, you know, how would she react? Would she be angry? Would she be accepting? And, of course, you know, she's not going to have an immediate reaction that is going to be her reaction for the rest of her life. She has to work through it. Um, they all do. So, you know, these choices that, that, that Roger made, I think, understandably, and, and I explain the circumstances, you know, he wasn't just – you know, dilly-dallying around the hills of France. You know, he fought in the Meuse-Argonne uh, along with um, the other men that are veterans. Uh, and that that battle is the bloodiest battle um, that the U.S. has been involved in. This, the numbers are, are staggering, the number of men who who died or uh, were wounded. It was like 25% of the, the men that were in this um, offensive were, were hurt in physically or killed. Um, it, just amazing. So so I set up, you know, I set him up, I think, to be sympathetic in the choices that he makes and the circumstances he finds himself in. So he's still a very likable guy, I think. Um, but yeah, Hildy gets to to wrestle with that and, and how she, how does she reconcile that with, you know, who she thought they were and what if he hadn't gone? Would they have gotten married and or if he'd lived, you know, what would have happened? So there's a lot she has to sort through. There's also a, a family feud that mm-hmm. really underpins a lot of the action that takes place in this story. And it's really twisted. Mm-hmm. And you just had so much fun with this, with, with, with the baby and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you, you got to read the book to, to untie this puzzle because, uh, the strands are so twisted, and so, you, you you turn the page and you go, oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> it, it, you just really— This is delighting me. I want you to know how thrilled I am to hear you say yeah. these things. <laughs> yeah, you, you really got a kick out of that, didn't you? I did. Okay. <laughs> My guest has been Jess Montgomery. The book is The Echoes. Are you working on the next one? I am working on some ideas that would be standalone novels, but in the same era, so— we're going to take a little break uh, from uh, Lily. I think we might. We'll see. Uh You're not sure yet? Not sure yet. Okay. (laughs) Well, I know that uh, since you've stopped writing your literary life column for the Dayton Daily News, you must have a lot of extra time to devote to writing fiction, right? I do. I have more time than I did. Wasn't that one of your main motivations? for? yeah. Focus my my attention. Do you miss it? You know, I do. I... I, um, miss chatting with uh, writers in the area and sort of promoting the literary life, as the column was called, uh, to to readers of the newspaper. But, you know, the Dayton area has such an amazing, vibrant literary life and community that, I, you know, it's gone on without 
without me. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you're listening going, I don't remember Jess Montgomery writing The Literary Life. Well, she wrote it under her actual name, Sharon Short, because yes. Sharon Short is Jess Montgomery. There, you, okay, you know it. I said it. That's perfect. I, I, I didn't want to confuse them out there in, uh, <laughs> in newspaper land. I, we have a lot of people out there who I'm sure read your column. And, I'm sure. And they were scratching their heads going, Jess Montgomery? But, but then you did mention it in your column, so. I did. Okay. I did. So if they, they read every single column, then they already knew that. Well, <laughs> these are fun books, and uh, thank you for letting us be a part of your uh, publication date. Oh, thank you for having me. My guest has been Jess Montgomery, and the book is, is it number four? Number four. Number four in this series uh, featuring Sheriff Lilly. It's The Echoes, and I love the cover. They did a great job on the cover. Oh, thank you. For the book nook, I'm Vic McCunis. Thanks, as always, for tuning in.